All right, welcome back to Parenting from the Trenches. I'm Dr. Amy Elmar, and this is... I'm Dr. K. Yes, we're here to present a show that's all about you and what's going on in this world and what it means for you and your family. We're here to help you build stronger families and stronger communities. So thanks for tuning in again. We're excited to have you. Um, we are on Facebook and Instagram, and you can message us if you've got questions or comments at yellowbrick.me. And we're also on our own website, yellowbrick.me. Yeah, so please yeah. do um, keep in touch with the conversation. And if we can't get to your questions at the end of the show, um, we'll definitely do it afterwards. We'll, we'll do some posts after. So definitely send in your comments and your questions, and we will be in touch. We really appreciate that you're supporting us, our audience, and um, we welcome you to this. So today's topic, Christine. Yeah, welcome spring, right? Well, <laughs> that too, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, I think this is a good, um, timely topic for us to be talking about now as we spring into summer, you know, with um, parties and uh, different things Prom. going on, proms and graduations, graduations. and yeah. suddenly there was an incident in Manchester, Connecticut um, that was very sad. So, um, you know, I think we really need to open up this conversation about uh, drinking and drugs and addiction and um, parties and how to keep kids safe and how to open up these conversations so that we can talk to kids in, a, in an honest way because I don't think it's just about just say no. Um, so or just don't let them go to the parties. Or just don't let them go to the parties. <laughs> yeah. Right, right. You can't My kids unlock them like down. That. Right, yeah. right, right. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, this is. I think this is great a great time for us to be talking. Yeah, so we're talking about substance abuse and what it means for your kids and uh, how you talk with them. You know, recently, according to ABC News, I just saw that in a recent study, they said that one in five drug abusers in treatment programs that were surveyed received their first illegal taste of substance abuse mm -hmm. from their parents. Mm -hmm. So that's yeah. something I didn't realize. So we're seeing this at home. And um, I don't know if that means that, you know, they're watching the parents do it, they're sneaking it from the parents, right. or if the parents, I know I've heard about the parents that say, well, I'd rather them drink or try At drugs home. in my own right. home, right. and where they're sort of safe. Right. Um, so, you know, all kinds of questions come to mind about that. And the survey also found that uh, drug treatment candidates um, in 70 of the treatment programs surveyed said they're 19 times more likely to have been introduced to illicit drugs by a family member mm -hmm. than a drug dealer. Right. So we're all worried about peer pressure or, you know, running into trouble on the street, but actually we have some issues to work through. You know what this home. reminds me of? This reminds me of, um, you know, all the research on sexual abuse. Mm -hmm. You know, that sexual abuse is much more likely to happen, um, to, you're much more likely to be molested by a family member than somebody outside your family. So, you know, so people have this misnomer that, um, you know, you're going to be walking down the street and, you know, something bad's going to happen, and it does occasionally happen, but that our eyes need to be wide open all the time, yeah. you know, and just because a person is part of the family or a friend of the family or those kind of things, um, you know, that we definitely need to uh, be aware and teach our kids to trust very, very slowly. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a great point. Yeah. And so with that, I think we should welcome our yeah. our guest, um, Dan Milstein, who is uh, from the Feral Treatment Center. He's a lawyer and licensed social worker and uh, has such a great, diverse background. He's focused on 
substance abuse, addiction, depression, and anxiety. So welcome. Thank you so much Hello. for joining Hello. us. Hi, Dan. Pleasure Hi, Dan. being here. Yeah. Yeah. And Dan morning. also works at Hopewell Health Solutions um, as a social worker. So I know Dan pretty well, so I'm excited to have him on the Good show. Good morning. Good Thank morning. You. Nice to be here. So we're, we're talking about risky behaviors. We're talking about substance abuse right up your alley. Do you want to start by just sharing with us some of your own experience yeah, and I'd what kind of got you down this road? Um, what I've gone through is what I'm seeing all the time now, and it's very common. Um, I started out like most people where I was at a party. Um, my parents were gone. Um, for the summer, and I went over to a friend's house whose parents were gone for the summer just to have a good time, and uh, they had gotten into the liquor cabinet mm -hmm. and were mixing some drinks with fruit juice and alcohol, and someone had some marijuana, and I tried it for the first time. At that time, I was 15 years old. I ended so up... just um, some innocent exploration. Yeah, just yeah. trying to have fun and doing what everyone else did. Yep. thinking it was a good time, and um, I ended up getting drunk and passing out and waking up a little later on, and um, I felt like it was a rite of passage, that this was something I was going to do, and I was one of the gang. And what I didn't realize is that drinking early has a tremendous effect on what happened to me later on, which is I ended up being an alcoholic and a drug addict, and I went on to go to law school and have a career, but it really sabotaged my life and my career and ended up leading me down some very dark roads. Yeah. And I didn't realize that the earlier you use, the, ad the adolescent brain is very, very vulnerable because the area of the brain that controls emotions and pleasure develops early. So that you're very, you're very pleasure-seeking, you're very interested in avoiding pain and having pleasure, but the frontal cortex that controls um, judgment, controls reasoning, controls having any idea of the consequences of your behavior develops very later on, around mid-20s. Mm -hmm. So it's like a car with a gas pedal and no brakes. Yeah. And um, that's what happened to me. Mm -hmm. um, I had no brakes, I had a great gas pedal, and um, I ended up with a lot of friends doing the same thing, and the risky behavior is what I engaged in with, um, with driving, with all kinds of reckless behavior. Mm -hmm. So that's a great point, right? So starts off with some innocent exploration, but the earlier it starts, it sounds like the, the harder it can fall. Um, mm -hmm. And I thank you for sharing your personal experience. We actually surveyed our audience before the show and got some questions. So. We'll just ask really what our audience members are, are curious about, and, and we too as parents yeah. of teenagers and younger. Sure. Um, so, you know, we want to know kind of what you're seeing with kids. What are the risky behaviors with drugs specifically? So who, who is at risk, really? Well, I think that anyone that tries drugs is at risk. And the reason they're at risk is because what happens is that we get a certain kind of dopamine. We get a certain kind of neurotransmitter when we do things that are pleasurable. Play music, sports, hang out with friends. Eat chocolate. Eat chocolate. Yeah. Eat chocolate. Yeah. Eat chocolate. Yeah. Absolutely. I still enjoy yeah. that. Yeah. But when we use drugs, we get a flood of this dopamine in our system. Mm -hmm. And it rewires our brain. And what happens then is that ordinary activities that used to be pleasurable aren't pleasurable the same way anymore. And when we're young and we don't have impulse control, 
we keep going back to these same activities. And it actually rewires our brain mm -hmm. so that we, we shy away from the activities that used to be pleasurable. And we see that in behavior. So what we have to look for when we have children and we're trying to figure out are they into drugs, mm -hmm. we see differences in the people they're associated with. We see differences in their sports activities. We see differences in their school. Mm -hmm. We see differences in their emotional regulation. So these are the signs to these look signs. for if maybe our kids are experimenting. We might see changes in these behaviors or exactly. patterns. Okay. Now, um, children are kind of on an emotional um, roller coaster anyway. Mm -hmm. So you can just chalk it up to, well, kids are kids. They go through phases, too. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. They do go through phases. But these phases are a little more severe okay. than you would ordinarily see. And what these are doing, and what the drugs are doing, is making permanent changes mm -hmm. in the brain that is very, it's neuroplastic, it's really changing, it's very malleable. And if you're adding drugs to that, you're making significant changes. 15.2% of people that start alcohol before age 14 develop an alcohol addiction. Hmm. Only 2.1% that started at age 21. Wow. So there's a tremendous difference in yeah. terms so, of starting it early and developing the problem. So if we can hopefully maybe delay the experimenting at all, I, I wonder, is it okay for teens to experiment at all? Are there any, I mean, you know, you hear the kids will be kids, so right. what, what's your response to that? Well, my response is that it really isn't all right. It, if we can try to talk to them frankly, mm -hmm. honestly, in an open, non-judgmental way, mm -hmm. and give them an idea that these things, if they can delay them, it's not because we're trying to stop them from having fun. It's mm -hmm. because we're trying to have them develop in a way where they're going to enjoy their life and have more pleasure mm -hmm. in, the, in, the, in the end by waiting. Yeah. And now allow the brain to develop health in a very healthy way initially. And that's, I think, why it's, it was very interesting. Um, I remember reading all the research that you talked about in, in terms of development and, and how incredibly important it is to um, understand that kids' brains are not fully developed at 15 and 16 years old, and they, especially boys, um, you know, men take, boys take a little bit longer to fully develop that executive functioning um, frontal cortex. So um, I think that's something we real. that's that's the research, and we really need to keep that in mind in terms of looking at behaviors and asking a lot of questions. And I even think if any of those signs come up that you're talking about, right, like a change, dramatic change in friends, isolating behavior, drop at school, um, you know, be, looking depressed or not wanting to do the same activities anymore, seeming despondent and, and sort of out of it, even if it's not drugs, you need to ask the questions. Absolutely. You know, because it Something's could be going something on. is going on. Yeah, like, these are red flags. These are red flags. Absolutely. I, um, I want to ask you, I want to push a little harder, because yes, we want to talk, yes, we want to talk openly, but your child could already be experimenting. Yes. And or, mm -hmm. how do we ask the questions or start the conversation without being condescending? So, well, you know, my kids tell me, important. oh, we know, we know, you're having the same conversation right. with us. So yeah. I think it's very important to, first of all, have a good setting. Um, try to do it in an open way where you're not preaching, you're not lecturing. Um, 
ask open-ended questions like, what are people doing around you? You know, what are your friends doing? What's it out? What's it like out there? Try to talk about other people, not just them. Mm -hmm. Be honest about your experience and what you've been through. Um, talk about um, being sure that you recognize that you want them to have fun and you know you're interested in asking more questions than um, giving them advice. So if you're open, if you're non-judgmental, if you look at them and you're looking for signs, you're looking for body language, you're looking for feedback for them, um, you're giving them the idea that you have, first of all, and also have a goal. Recognize it's not one conversation. Mm -hmm. All you want to do is open the door for letting them talk to you and let them know what's going on in their world. So I just have a quick question for you, because as you're talking about, um, you know, and this is always something that we talk about, how open should you be with your kids about your past experiences? I think it's important to let them know if you've experimented that you've tried it and you were, and that you took risks that you're sorry you took, okay. and that you okay. won't do it again. Yep. And I think there's limits, but I, I don't think you want to come across as a saint mm -hmm. if, and tell them that you're holier than thou, because they know your personality. Yeah. Yeah. If you didn't experiment, you can say you didn't, and this is why. If you did, you might say you did, but you think that in the end it was the wrong thing to do. And if you have examples of people that you know that went down the road and it wasn't a good end yeah. ending, I would use that and mm -hmm. be frank with them. So Because they know when you're full of it. If you yeah. have, if you're open, non-judgmental, and authentic, yeah. and let them know that you want information from them as much as you're giving them information, because it's a series of conversations to open the door and let them talk to you. And I let love them that. know that you care about them and you're looking for them to have fun. And this is a way to have fun by not doing drugs. Mm -hmm. And here's a question that came in from our audience that just so many people were asking. What do you do if you suspect it's already happened and you've opened up the conversation, but you don't know what to do next? Well, then I think you have to get help. Okay. I think you have to go to a So even if you don't know that it's an addiction yet, you just know there's some heavy experimenting. That's right. Okay. Because there's different signs. There's, there's different stages. The first stage is it's available. It shouldn't be. The second stage is casual use. This casual use, it's very important to see if you can get them help and to call someone in. Um, the third stage is when they're using it regularly and they start to be, they're buying it, they're purchasing it. The addiction stage is the last stage, but you certainly don't want to get to that Try stage. Try to get it before. Absolutely. Now, how about for the moms and dads out there, um, or guardians, grandmas, grandpas, we hear uh, parents saying, well, I'd rather them do it in my house yeah. where they're safe, safe, right. okay? Um, how do I respond to that? I mean... Well, what you have to recognize is the brain disease. And what you're doing is rewiring the brain so that the midbrain, the part of the brain that calls you back to the disease, is being rewired so that you can't say no. So to say, okay, I'm going to do it at home and not do it anywhere else doesn't make sense. Because what you're doing is creating a craving, a desire, and a need for the drug. You are, you are um, creating an addiction. And an addiction doesn't have geographic boundaries. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't make sense. So, you know, I just have a question about that. I mean, is, are all drugs the same? Like, and all, like are, do you think it's okay to allow your kids to have one glass of wine? 
with dinner. Yeah, sometimes it's a family else. celebration. Right, you right. see, like everybody's yeah. doing. Like, well, is that a problem? Well, the problem is their development and the neuroplasticity of their brain. If they're 21, they're 25. They have a brain that can regulate emotions, mm -hmm. that can deal with having a glass of wine because the brain is developed and yep. they have some impulse control. If they're 14 or 15 and you start you start introducing intoxicants and the mm -hmm. brain is not developed, you're opening the door to that. Not everyone will become addicted, mm -hmm. but there's a genetic predisposition that's very strong, 50% yes. genetic predisposition. If they have any kind of emotional vulnerability, mm -hmm. if they're prone to depression sure. and anxiety, <laughs> they're teenagers. Sure, they're not emotional. Some have more than others. <laughs> yeah. Some have some deficits in neurotransmitters. If they have any trauma, if there's any trauma yeah. history, if there's stress in the family, there's so many factors that will accentuate their um, uh, proclivity to have an addiction. Mm -hmm. So all you're doing is putting gasoline in the fire. Mm -hmm. And it's not necessary. What's the upside? The upside, mm -hmm. there's sure, no upside. Sure. All you're doing is creating a situation where you're opening up to something that could really do what it did for me and really derail my life. Mm -hmm. And it's, and it's killing point. people out right. there. Right, right, good really point. Because I think there. there's a lot of um, people that believe that, you know, um, marijuana or then, you know, um, alcohol are sort of, so you know, soft. Soft drugs. So, yeah. so, like, that's not such a big deal, but then, you know, heroin, cocaine, and crystal meth and all those well, other things. Well, I are could also see the upside being if you're at a family celebration, yeah. and this is something you do traditionally, right. it's sort of a special coming of age or yeah. sharing with mm -hmm. the kids and the family. So I, I could see an upside yeah. to yeah. sharing it, and I well, understand that the risks involved right. in it. Now, what yeah. we're seeing just the toll that we're seeing at, at, I work at a treatment center, what we're seeing at the treatment center is it's ravaging mm -hmm. the young people in our society, mm -hmm. creating just a tremendous amount of loss and um, dislocation in our society. I know we're seeing too um, stories about kids who are turning to prescription drugs to kind of help them through studying or, Absolutely. you know, kind of keeping them going yeah. or yes. watching parents using, um, you know, caffeine to stay awake and so you're seeing lots of mix of caffeine right. and other drugs to help them so well, yeah, it's, one it's of sort of coming at all angles right. from this academic, social, peer pressure, family. Yeah, yeah, so what happens is that the ability to cope with things and use your own coping skills ends up being diminished tremendously. Yeah. And the idea yeah. is I don't have to cope, I can take a pill. Yeah. So we're taking Ritalin to study, we're taking right. uh, opiates to go to sleep. Um, everything is a quick fix. Yeah. And our ability to emotional regulate, emotionally regulate is going down. So really turn it back to work. those skills. Yeah. 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 And then you lose it. You right. lose the ability to do so. So right. really thinking about yeah. raising our kids to you know, with character to yes. really be able to do these things. Yes. So they can meet the stresses yeah. and demands. But also like getting a therapist like yourself, you know, very early on, if needed, um, if needed you know, yeah. and certainly making an appointment. But not to panic and to start the conversations no. at home if that seems to right. be working. Right. It sounds like that's a great way to start. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. Thank yeah. you so much well, for coming. It was such a pleasure. Yeah, thank you so much. Yeah, 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 yeah. That was really illuminating. It was. Yeah. A lot of interesting yeah, a lot of, a lot of scary information as prom season approaches for our family in I particular. Know. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so 
um, this is the point in the show where we're going to transition to audience questions, and um, we don't have a lot of time left, okay. but we will um, get to those after the fact as well, so we'll post responses to any remaining questions. I wanted to say from a personal perspective, um, just that, you know, I feel such tragedy, you know, with what happened in, in Manchester, mm -hmm. England yesterday, or two days ago now, yeah. and all the victims and families, and then lots of people suffering worldwide for this and yeah. nervous about it. And so one of the questions that I've been hearing a lot is, how do I talk to my kids about terrorism? And so sadly that's becoming, you know, a, a really mm -hmm. big reality for us. Our kids see a lot of images, and this being, um, you know, done at a concert where there were young victims, yeah. and also I've, no I've noted that um, a lot of the kids are on Instagram or Snapchat or wherever, and they're watching Ariana Grande, and mm -hmm. so then the images are kind of connected. Yeah. So you really couldn't shelter your kids from it if you wanted to. Right. If that were going to be your right. way, it would be very hard to do that. So um, first of all, I'm just you know we're we're both very sorry about that. But um, some tips for talking about terrorism with your kids, I would say actually similar to the conversations we were discussing about mm -hmm. drugs is. You know, be open and honest, yeah. but in an age-appropriate way. Right. So young, young children really talking about it, but don't hide things, right? And I think also, I mean, this kind of goes back to 13 reasons why. And, um, you know, there's an, right now we're, we live in the age of information. Mm -hmm. There is lots of information out there. We are being bombarded by information. And I think we have to teach our kids, which is what we talk about a lot, being good digital natives, yeah, right? Yeah. Um, and really um, having very healthy boundaries with information. So having downtime where they're not on their phones, taking the phones away, you know, um, having dinner, you know, technology-free dinner. Right. Um, monitoring, you know, what your kids are doing because what ends up happening is sort of like an addiction in a way where, you know, they hear about negative information and then it just sort of spreads like a virus, right? Yeah. And, um, and it doesn't help that we you, could turn on the TV any time of day and Right, see and now you can go on it, yeah. 10 different platforms, Instagram, mm -hmm. Snapchat, Facebook, you know, all, and get just totally... When we were growing up, you know, there was a newspaper article, yeah. right? Yeah. So, um, I really think that, again, we need to go back to basics yeah. again. And we're actually going to talk about uh, digital citizenship and awesome. technology next yeah. month. So, tune in next month yeah. for that. Yeah. Um, but getting back to talking to your kids about terrorism, just really being honest, I think, yeah. validating their own fears and concerns, yeah. and then kind of teaching them that your number one job is to keep them safe. And right. so that that's your focus. I think that a nice thing to do, too, is kind of help them own what they can do right. to, to help Absolutely. that out, to help out their yeah. community or just within your own home. Kind of how do you mark that? I also think it's important because news focuses on the one bad thing that happened. So, like, what I would recommend that I actually did with my daughter is how many concerts are there? This is day. not the norm. Right? This is not so, the norm. So, I mean, yeah. throughout the world, there were probably at least a thousand concerts, you know, um, several thousand yeah. concerts. So, we heard about, it was terrible, but we heard about the one that there was a bomb at. But there's, you know, the majority, 99.999% are okay. Yeah, yeah. So, so that really reassuring right. them that, you know, 
you've got to keep kind of going and, and teaching them coping skills. Right. Absolutely. So how do you cope and how do you model that like, for your kids? Exactly. Yeah. Um, we have an, another question. How do you create boundaries but also let kids dictate some conditions? So this is, this could be, gosh, this could be this could be a, a whole show, show itself. Yeah. Um, and I guess the quick answer for me would be really establishing logical consequences in your behavior management with your kids and really thinking about it as a two-way street. So if something doesn't feel logical to them, then they're not learning from it. Right. So right. Um, really allowing them to weigh in on it. And sometimes I think as parents, we either struggle to say no because we want to be the kind parent or we feel like we're always saying no or we go the other way and we feel like you know gosh they're getting to do everything we're just going to lay down the mm -hmm. law and sometimes a discipline right can be just as simple as a logical consequence if you lose something you don't have it right, right. like it right. doesn't have to be a further two months of yeah. no going out um so kind of thinking about logical consequences would be my best quickie advice for that question. Mm -hmm. That's a big question though, so we'll take note of that and maybe for our next show um, we'll do that down the line. Um, do we have time for maybe one more question? Okay, a couple more. Alright, so um, I have a six-year-old girl who wet her bed. We've spoken to our pediatrician and they tell us not to worry as each kid develops differently. We try to convey this to our daughter, yet my wife and I can see our daughter is upset with herself as not being a big kid yet. Um, do you have suggestions on how we can interact with her on this? You know, um, I, I lean toward the doctor. If your doctor's not worried, I'm not too worried about her physically. So that's great. And in terms of emotionally, I think she's probably just not there yet. So talking yeah. to her about developmental things like when you were ready to walk, you walked. When you're ready to dress yourself, you dressed yourself. Yeah. You know, and this will be the next step. Um, I assume, but I maybe shouldn't, that you're using maybe like pull-ups kind of mm -hmm. underwear so she can kind of feel like she can go, you know, to bed with some special yeah. you know, underwear type thing. And I wouldn't, <laughs> I wouldn't make it, I wouldn't make it out to be a big thing. Like if she wets the bed in the morning, just pull the sheets and put, like, I, I wouldn't even say a lot because we don't want to give her a lot a of stigma, negative attention, yeah. you know, and, um... And she'll definitely develop it along the way. So I think a lot of times um, we worry a lot about these sort of developmental steps. Yeah, yeah, we do. And guess what? There's always something to worry about. You know what? My, my aunt Faye used to say this very funny thing. She'd say, by the time they walk down the aisle, they can poop in the potty and they know their ABCs. So we're always in such a rush. Yeah. To teach them everything. Right. And, we, and, and you always are stuck in this stage where, oh my God, I'm worried about this, I'm worried about this, and then guess what? They get over that, and then there's something else and to worry about. Else. <laughs> and I guess that gets back to the question, do you suggestions so she doesn't feel bad? She may not feel as bad no. as you think. It could be some projection, right? Like exactly. we're always in a hurry to yeah. get them up with the program or her friends are doing something. So maybe just don't make a big deal of it. Yeah. Like just, oh, we're going to clean the sheets today or you know, maybe yeah. do, do some other modeling. But the, the doctor, I think when the doctor's concerned is when I might do, I know that there are some alternatives you can do with, like, alarms and things. Oh, yeah. But I really wouldn't go to that at six years old. No, I, I think, think she'll she's be probably fine. just fine. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. we'll get to our other questions after the show. Um, thank you so much for joining us. We've really, um, this has been such an exciting adventure to have this show. Yeah. So yeah. I just want to preview a couple things that we have going on on yellowbrick.me. Cool. We have a couple upcoming courses and webinars teaching empathy, creating a healthy family kitchen, 
teaching financial literacy and promoting independence. So you can check out yellowbrick.me for more resources. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram where we are right now. Mm -hmm. um, you can message us at yellowbrick.me and um, we really just want to keep the conversation going. So please send us your questions and um, thanks for joining us. It was loaded with uh, information. Loaded today. with information. Yeah. We'll yeah. see you next month. Yeah. Do, what's the date for next month? June 14th. June 14th. We'll see you to talk yeah. about digital literacy. Awesome. Uh, footprints. Awesome. Uh, digital citizenship. <laughs> technology. Facebook, we'll Instagram, learn all that good stuff. Yeah. Maybe we'll get you on Facebook. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> Don't hold your breath. I'm here now. <laughs> Thanks for joining us. All right. See ya. Bye, guys. Bye.